You're listening to Transplaner RPG, an all-transgender, people-of-color-led, dark-fantasy actual play channel set in an original non-colonial, anti-orientalist multiverse. The Chaos Protocol is our second main campaign and stars Valiant Dorian, Kai Kay, and Sam Starr as players, with C. Thomas as the producer and Connie Chong as the game master. Transplaner RPG is sponsored by Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy whose director, Dimitri Opines, has asked us to say, and I quote, Please sign up for Transplaner's Patreon, because at some point people will figure out he's a cisgender white guy failing upward, and then he'll be too broke to sponsor us. We love you, Dimitri, and thank you so much for supporting our work. This episode is also brought to you by Die Hard Dice. If you're looking to add some gorgeous dice to your collection, check out Die Hard Dice. They have iconic metal dice, enchanting polymer dice, plus velvet dice trays, portable scrolls, and dice bags. Die Hard Dice is on a mission to be the shopkeep every hero looks forward to seeing, providing premium products that bring infectious delight to every table. They are driven by their customers' stories of adventure and daring, and they are so passionate about making dice and accessories that will help you elevate your gaming experience and keep telling stories in your own unique way. Use the code TRANSPLANER at checkout for 10% off any purchase at DieHardDice.com. Content warnings for this episode may include heights, romance, flirting, smoking, guns as weaponry, fantasy violence, apocalypse, environmental collapse, complex and complicated relationships, and references to bugs. Arc 1, Episode 4 Be Still My Song From Self-Eulogy of a Martyr by Connie Chong The Wild Sea is an ocean of vegetation. The entire surface of this plain is covered with it, broad leafy fronds glistening with dewdrops, thin spiky needles protruding from sap-smeared trunks, branches as thick as buildings as long as rivers. There is sound here, so much sound, the buzzing of insects, the rustling of leaves, the chittering call of birds. We sweep across this emerald expanse. The canopy rustles and tilts, its many leaves and branches swaying back and forth, back and forth like tides upon a sea. This verdant ocean goes down for miles. How many exactly? We may never know. The only geography that surmounts the wild sea's jungled depths are the highest peaks of the tallest mountains. We see one such peak now made of tan granite and shivering pine. It oscillates with steep and jagged curves extending above the leafy canopy like a gray hand breaching the verdant tides for a lifeline. This is Siren's song. Before the verdancy swept across Aregnus, Siren's song was a remote, inhospitable mountaintop. Now, it is a bastion of life amidst a verdant sea. Settlements of wood and stone pockmark the size of Siren Song. We see buildings of glazed tile, streets carved from mountain rocks, switchbacks and hiking trails, even vertical gardens of mud and timber. And at the very top of Siren Song, just beneath its summit, is the royal palace itself. A castle of stone 
chiseled out of the mountainside with halls and courtyards and galleries and gardens. And yes, there are people in Siren's Song as well, so many people in every shape and size imaginable. We see a humanoid farmer on the tiered steps of a tea farm tending to their crops with four strongly muscled arms. We see a merchant wearing armor made of iron and wood hawking fair goods in a bustling street. We see a scholar with rough, weathered skin holding a cane made entirely of thick green vines walking up the slope of a library and vanishing inside. And of course, there are the wild sailors. At the base of Siren Song, where the leafy canopy rustles against the granite hide of the mountain, we find the harbor, a bustling marina with docks of sturdy wood extending for dozens of feet deep into the verdancy. Moored at these docks, floating on top of the rustling waves, are ships of every make and size. Some have sturdy hulls of broadwood and chainsaw edges that run the entire curve of the prow, jawbox engines guttering. Others are delicate, crafted from brittle shells of ceramic with motorized grapple tracks along the keel and shrapnel cannons mounted to the deck. Still other ships are cut from a single length of chitinous plate, with centipedal limbs that perch atop the leafy waves, steam piping from chimneys of interlocking scale. We see disembarking from gangplanks, tossing anchors overboard, and generally corralling their crew, wild sailors. We see a lean, hungry-looking person with dark skin and a rusted pistol strapped to their waist. We see a hardy, fat woman with light brown skin and glasses carrying a briefcase of surgical implements. We see a kind of twitchy man with pipes and valves embedded in zero brown skin sparking with stormlight. We see a reliable person with dark skin and dreadlocks, a bandolier of glowing vials strung across their bare chest. The wild sailors of this realm are as varied as the civilians, but one thing sets them apart. Perhaps it's the glint of adventure in their eyes or the hard set of survival in their jaw. Maybe it's the way they hold themselves with the weight of the rustling leaves on their shoulders. Or maybe it's more nebulous than that. Just simply the knowledge of what's out there, beyond the sturdy rock of the mountain, on the tossing, churning waves of the verdant sea. Seir, Zainab, Bumira, and Singh. Strike Team Nova appears in a brilliant cascade of pink light in the center of an ancient temple. A classic entrance for the field agents of trans, but this temple is quite different from others you've been in. For starters, there are no walls. Instead, pillars of sturdy wood stand in a loose circle like trees. Thick green vines wrap around these pillars, braiding up, up, up their columns to form a cross-hatched roof domed above your heads. A shrine looms at the back of this temple with coils of smoking incense and offerings of scrap metal, seed pods, strips of dried meat. Flowers 
bloom all over this shrine, sweet-smelling petals offering a pop of color amidst the shade. And beyond this temple, the palace looms above you, while the city of Siren Song sprawls beneath you. Through the gaps of the pillars, you can see everything I've just described about Siren Song in vivid detail. You can also see vividly the Wild Sea itself, teeming just beyond the base of the peak, a never-ending expanse of green. As your party teleports in, I want to know, how does your form change as you enter this new realm? Let's start with Sayer. Sayer lands as he does every time we teleport with the dais with a heavy thought as he braces himself, bends his knees, and stands up to his full height. And as he gazes at the unmarked beauty all around him, something glimmers on his horns, like sprouts of seeds, and then bursting are a ton of flowers and flower buds of all varieties all along his antlers. We see bursting first in full bloom in vivid purples, orchids, right at the base of his antlers and along his scalp, little buds of a red type of flower. It is barely bloomed, but there's a tiny glint of hibiscus seeds lingering right beneath there. Along the tip of his antlers, wiring around, are branches of cherry blossoms that are in fluid bloom and petals falling right onto his eyes, his face, his mouth, shakes his head to adjust it off of his face. And then finally, Amaranth, holding onto his head like, like almost like a laurel crown, holding his crown aloft. And he shakes his head, allowing the petals to dance in the wind and his beautiful dark curls. Ed looks to everyone. That's new. That's very new. <laughs> yeah, I think like leaves and petals cascade from your head as you kind of shake and maybe even sneeze a little bit from them falling into your nose. And I think as we pan across, we find Lumira. How does your form change as you zap into this new realm? So I think quite the opposite. Whenever Lumira does get transported, she falls silently afloat down to where she's at, never making too much noise. But Lumira's form almost becomes like this marble-like texture, almost of stone. And you see gold flecks that go all the way through it. And all of her features are very still sharp and pronounced, but soft. Um, most vividly, her cloak becomes a full shade of like this deep, uh, almost moss type green. Um, and across the back is a tree that branches up and sprouts and the branches itself wrap around her torso and across her chest. And at the bottom of the tree, the roots uh, root out to trail back behind her as she walks. Still with her pocket watch that's like attached to a vine on her. Yeah, okay. 
Oh, that is so cool. I love both of these already so much. Uh, I think as you're kind of taking yourself in, noticing the branches, the roots, this new cape, the vine thread of your pocket watch, we cut across the way to find Zynan. How does your form change as you enter this new realm? Zynan steps forward, like he would be walking through a door every time we land in a new plane. And like every time we land in a new plane, he raises a slightly changed hat from his side and puts atop his head a very, very similar black flat-brimmed hat. But this time, the gold chain that normally adorns it in trans is slightly dull looking. And in fact, as we trace down all of the details of the bright gold on his shirt, some of them have just vanished, but others have become this worn grass. And anywhere that had touches of gold all the way down to the tips of his boot are now finished polished brass, like what you would find on a ship. Details here and there of what would be clean edges and finely tailored finished garments have a rawness to them and kind of a worn quality. The black is not as black as it was in trans, like maybe something that sat in the sun just a little too long. Most notably, if you look, his right side seems to vanish a little in the breeze. No, it can't vanish. You see fragments of dust just kind of waft off of him, and as the breeze passes by, he almost goes a little translucent, just at his right side, between his fingertips and the top of his shoes. But he doesn't seem to notice as he looks around at all the details and does give a little smile to Sears' new floral crown. Mmm. Thank you all so much for feeding me. I will be feasting upon these descriptions for years to come. Yes, uh, I think as we've taken the three of your new forms, we pan over now to just an explosion of pink. As Sing turns and spins, and we see that she too has sprouted flower petals, adorning her horns, but they are all of the same kind. They're cherry blossoms in full, beautiful spring bloom. And they're like trailing behind her, like wings or like a cape, right? And wherever she walks, they don't quite hit the ground. They vanish before they do in a kind of like magical waterfall. And she's giggling and laughing and turning and spinning. And her eyes are the same color as the flowers. And she grabs you by the forearm, Sayer, and starts spinning you as well. <laughs> Sayer, brother, look at this. Isn't this wonderful? Oh, I love this plane already. Look at all these flowers. Look at this, those trees and that, oh, no wonder it's called the Wild Sea. Just, wow, this place is so much more gorgeous than I ever could have imagined. This must be what a level six world looks like. I mean, our changes itself are way better than the changes we saw on Earth. That's one thing I will say. Oh my gods, yes. What were those called again? Sweated pants? Sweated pants. Sweat, sweating. Sweat pants. Sweating pants. Sweating pants, they, yes. They were called sweat Disgusting. pants. Disgusting. For you to sweat pants. in. It was, ugh. They were rather comfy, I thought. But, well, you can make anything look good, Lumira. Let's be real. But this place really accentuates everything for all of us, and those are people down there, and, and that's a town, that's a castle. <laughs> Gotta say, I'm relieved that there's a lot of people here. Exactly. Look at those ships. Yeah. That's cool. I think I can kind of get used to this. Well, Strike Team Nova, you ready? Uh, uh, Strike Team Nova, quick meeting. 
we went off in Jokwang and I said Moon be with you and it clearly did not pan out as well. Maybe we should brainstorm cover story. Just so that I don't just say something off pocket again. Well, let's uh, start with asking something real simple, right? Mm-hmm. Get, get some of that information for the archives and uh, see what people do here besides obviously traverse the trees. Yeah, I think as all of you are taking in the wild sea, seeing the life humming in the city and, and the rustling waves, it's all sinking in for each of you. The wild sea is not a desolate, bombed out plain, right? It's not some post-apocalyptic wasteland. The wild sea is a bustling, lively realm of colorful flora and fauna all around you and, and culture and settlements. This becomes clear to you within moments of zapping in, right? You can smell the bright pollen and even the scent of food wafting up from the city below you. And in the distance, you can hear music and shouting and laughter from the docks beyond the mountaintop. This place is far from being annihilated by some, like, ancient evil, right? It is alive. It is viciously, beautifully broken and alive. Everyone seems to be thriving. From what I could tell, that message from the Oracle says that these weren't all here. The trees. Collectum! Mm-hmm. Your Oracle swirls into existence. It looks exactly the same <laughs> as in trans, except you all swear that when, it, when the glowing kind of pulses down, right, when it dims, it's like constantly pulsing. On the dim moments, you swear you see that it's taken on the form of a seed pod. Right here in the wild sea. Like it probably did that to, to blend in. Um, it goes on and it says, Corrector, all of the information about the wild sea is quite outdated. Though you don't have clearance exactly to uncover the exact date of the last time it was updated. Oh, I've said too much. Excuse me. Yes, you. Oracle, darling. Yes. When we are in a new place, whatever information you have, I feel probably will be necessary. Please? I'm sorry, you don't have the clearance level to access the documents on your file, and neither do I. I could not give it to you even if I wanted to, which I do because you give me snackies. That's uh, quite alright, Oracle. Lumira reaches in and grabs another little ball bearing and pops it in. <laughs> um, ding, 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 ding. Can you get me the clearance? Lumira. I could if we were back at Twins, but we're not. Well, we have a place to look right now. This is a temple, and Connie, remind me, there are gifts, uh, offerings still present here, yes? Yes. So as all of you are now, like, taking in the temple around you, like, taking a moment to just, like, observe your surroundings, you do see that shrine with, like, the flowers and the leaves and the plants behind it, uh, with just some, like, dry jerky and, like, uh, scrap metal here and there on top of it. It looks like it's maybe a a week or two old, perhaps, but most notably, as you cast your gaze around the space, all of you also see a table in front of your party, kind of at the center of this temple. And the table is not very fancy. It's driftwood with four legs and a surface, that's it. Honestly, it kind of looks like someone pulled it out of the trash. Uh, One of the legs is bent, it's kind of on a slant, and there's a weird stain along the upper ridge of the wood. And this table definitely doesn't belong in this temple. That much is obvious. Like, it's clear that someone dragged it from somewhere and placed it here. But what's more interesting than the table itself are the things 
on top of the table. You see books, scrolls, quills, pieces of charcoal, random scratch notes, hand-rolled cigarette butts. This kind of looks like the workspace of some kind of furious garbage scholar. Uh, and all of you also notice, bundled against one of the pillars, a bedroll. Though there isn't anyone in it or inside this area aside from the four of you at this moment. So what do y'all do? Making a beeline directly for the scrolls and books. You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> yeah, Lumira goes right for it. What about uh, Zynan? Zynan's going to the bedroll. Okay, yeah. Uh, what about Sayer? I know there aren't any walls here, but there's a statue. Are there any carvings, writings along like the architecture? Sayer is very, very interested in the ruined architecture here. Yes, you can examine the architecture itself. So let's go with you first, actually, Sayer. As you crane your neck up at the pillars, looking at the shrine, the plants and flowers blooming behind it, you notice a, a recurring, very obvious motif. It is the verdant sea itself, the wild sea itself. You see just like layers of tessellated leaves and branches and vines uh, that look like waves of a sea. And I would like, if I may do a thing. Okay. I would like to dig deep like I did in Zhuguang and ask for a glimmer of the verdant sea. What is the story being told here? Rebirth, destruction, change? Mm. And I would mark my search for omens trait. Ooh. As you're looking at the leaves, what are you specifically grasping for? I think Sayer wants to see the moment because we heard the verdancy, we heard the sprawling. It's 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 like kind it arrived. Mm -hmm. I think he wants to know more about the arrival. What what was it like? Is this just nature plotting its course? Are the shadows of oblivion actually here? Because people are here. Okay. How do you do this? Do you put a hand on one of the carvings? Sayer plants his ears right to the ruined and broken stone and takes a deep breath and closes his eyes, smelling in that wet stone smell of soil and plants. Mmm. The smell you get of that stone and soil and earth and plant, right, is the first thing to change in your senses. The smell of earth and leaf and oxygen turns slick, greasy almost. You smell oil. That's what it is, some kind of pungent gas. Uh, and the noise is the next thing to change. Mm -hmm. There's just the rustling of waves around you and your strike team members whispering about this chamber. That fades away, mm -hmm. and now you hear screams. Distant screams, shouting. You hear buildings crumbling, like steel groaning, some kind of explosion going off. And then you see just a flash of the first explosion of the verdancy itself. You see just a vicious series of roots. At first you think it's an earthquake and then you realize what it is. It's strong roots, each the size of like a city bus all the way around erupting out of the ground and like ripping up buildings, like actual buildings that were there. They kind of look like they're made of steel and metal and glass, but then all too quickly they are subsumed by the crushing roots, glass shattering everywhere, the roots cresting out like predators out of some kind of deep and ancient forgotten sea. And then your eyes, snap open again. The origins of the Verdancy were violent, and they were sudden, 
Days. That's right, Seir. Days. Only three days needed to pass before the Verdancy took over the entire surface area of a level six plane. Sayer kind of like stumbles backward and will try to recruit himself. Sayer? Son, yeah. You alright? You about to start saying some strange stuff? I... I saw how this happened. What did you see? It was... It was violent. It was... Brambles, trees erupting from the earth. It... Sayer, stay focused. Take a deep breath. Say it nice and calm. This verdancy, this this ocean of, of greenery, it was a calamity. It burst from the earth. It shattered cities, glass. It took three days. That's not right. It takes a long time for plants like that to grow. Not when there are other forces at work. I I smell oil too, but I I haven't seen what that meant. Just the violence. It erupted. Lumira, you are standing by the table. As you hear Sayer say this, I think your eyes are kind of drawn downward to the bounty lay before you as well, as you take in clues of your own. And what you see before you are random notes and whatnot, all surrounding a central thing in the middle of this table, which is what appears to be a map. It looks really fancy, for lack of a better term. Like its edges are gilded, embroidered. The paper is like thick and heavy. Honestly, it kind of looks like a a royal map of some kind. And the map displays uh, architectural layout of what appears to be the palace above your head. You're smart enough to put two and two together. You see turrets and parapets, as well as courtyards and gardens. And you just immediately think toward the uh, sprawling castle above you. As you look at these maps and the notes scrawled on its margins, you see that there are quills and pieces of charcoal laid around with notes in both of these markings. A kind of red ink has been used to viciously mark various parts of the map in a kind of like hurried, almost frustrated looking scrawl, and various rooms of the palace have been circled. Uh, If you would like to be able to interpret this, I'm going to need you to make a roll. I absolutely will make a roll because... If there's anything that my girl understands, it is frustratedly messy, chaotic note-taking. Right up your alley. So- Right up your alley. How are you trying to parse this? And this will tell me the edge you're using. Um, let's see. I'm gonna use sharps for sure. Yep, that makes a lot of sense and would fit very well here. So sharps covers logic, wit, and planning. That's the main way you're tackling this problem, which makes sense. You're just kind of coldly analyzing what's laid out in front of you with a kind of uh, surgical uh, methodology. So any skills you're using to help you here? Study. Makes sense, yep. Study would work as a skill to discover, record, interpret, decipher, determine patterns and flaws, correct. So roll your uh, sharps plus study. Awesome, okay. So how many dice are you rolling total? Uh, that'll be three, just three. Go for it. Uh, let's see. Ooh, six, three, three. Six, that is a success with a twist. So whenever there are any doubles of any kind, that creates a twist in the Wild RPG. And a result of six is a triumph. Uh, that means you get what you want, a complete success with no drawbacks. And you get with a twist, a small, potentially useful twist suggested um, by any player, but the Firefly has final say. I have an idea here, if I may. So looking down, success, triumph, that means you interpret everything on this table exactly the way 
way that it is intended with no guesswork or uh, any misleading results. So the circled areas appear to be libraries, uh, archives, galleries, uh, workrooms of that sort. Interestingly enough, like the more hidden parts of the palace, like bedrooms, are not circled. Those don't seem to be interesting to whoever made these notes. And one of these circled areas seems to be of particular note. It's been underlined and circled a lot. And that area is labeled Princess's Study. And it contains, you notice, various storage rooms, and all of the storage rooms in the study have been circled. And you notice notes in the margins around Princess's study reading, only books, boring, nothing here. Some of them with like such vicious underline that it's punched through the thick parchment of the royal map. The twist I'm gonna give you is, I think you're gonna be able to just like recognize this person's handwriting across anything now. Like you've studied this enough that you're gonna like know whenever this person has written anything. Duly noted, thank you. Yes. <laughs> Zainan. Yep. Standing by the bedroll, right? As you're talking to Sayir, uh, you've arrived at this little huddled camping tent area and you see a single journal kind of tucked like half hidden in the blankets of this bedroll. It's like leather bound and with a clasp over it. Zainan takes a beat after that conversation with Seer and looks down and kind of nudges the bedroll a little bit with his foot just to make sure nothing's going to pop out of it. Yeah, nothing does. Uh, and then is going to lean over and inspect this journal. Totally. Yeah, as you lean over and look at this journal, you see it's fairly nondescript, leather bound, there's no title, there's just a clasp over it, and pages within. Uh, for lack of a better term, it looks newish, maybe like mm -hmm. recently purchased at a marketplace or something. Yeah, he uh, one-handed like flips it, flips the little clasp, and flips the book open. Isn't looking to like, this might be someone's like journal. Uh, and so he's kind of just looking to see like what the general content of this is. Cause if it's something important, he'll hand it to Lumira. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, it's not very filled in. Only the first 14 pages have any notes on them and the rest of it is blank. Uh, but it seems to be more of a log than someone's personal diary. If it doesn't look like it's someone's like dear diary, uh, he will uh, crack it open and actually kind of look at what it's logging. Okay. As you crack it open and start to examine its contents, I'm gonna cut back to Lumira. Mm -hmm. Lumira, I assume you've been like using your hands and like digging into these notes here and like flipping things around. So it's not just a map on this table, there are books as well. And with your triumph with a twist, I'm just gonna give you what the books are and like the general content of them. So there are so many books on this table that are all open, scrolls as well, just open to various random pages. And there's even a sack against one of the crooked legs of the table by your feet with even more books spilling out of it. Like a whole fucking like a cavalcade of books just spilling out from the sack. Uh, and the books appear to cover a range of topics. You see titles like Archonautics of the Jongsin Surge, Northern Topographies, Volume 1, Northern Topographies, Volume 3, Volume 2 seems to be missing. I hate that. Folklore of the Three Reaches, Wild Sea Shanties to Calm the Soul, 
Uh, but there are two main books on the table that have parts underlined and annotated just like the map. One of them is called A People's History of Siren Song. And that book is currently open. It's a, it's a huge one. It's a hefty tome. It's open to a spread, a beautifully illustrated spread of a family tree of some kind of family labeled the Hylian Dynasty. And at the very top of this tree, right, in the canopy layer of this tree, there's a single ancestor that is labeled Hylian Laozu. And there is also a name at the very bottom of the tree, one of the roots that's been crossed out. You can't read the name. It's been crossed out with that person. You recognize their handwriting with that angry red ink with a scribble next to it that just reads, Where are you, asshole? The second book that's open on the table is called The Tale of the Three Guides. And it's open to a spread of a poem written in Hyven, which is an ancient wild sea tongue that is super old. So unless you have like zapped I in do. with- Okay. I do. I have a, I do have a point in Hyven. Yeah. So fun fact, when trans agents zap into new planes, you'll like populate with a kind of semi-randomized set of fluencies and abilities. And one of the things that Lumira populated with is fluency in Hyven, this ancient script. Yeah. So you can parse exactly what the poem says. Uh, and in Hyven it reads, the third guide rose. Rejoice, rejoice. Soul ventured north to the heart of the wild. The sea was never apart from us. It was always within. We are the thrash, the tangle, the darkness under eaves. Fear not the sea, but not loving the sea. And people followed soul, and soul led them to safety. And notes in Low Sour, which is like the general common tongue of this plane, in the margins read, children's tales, seriously? And I think on the kind of scrawled handwriting of those notes, we cut over to Zynan, who's reading that same scrawl, a splayed open in the journal that you're leafing through. So on the first page, you see like a title labeled Day One. And the journal entry reads as follows. Arrived in town, disguise is holding. Good. I want my presence to be a surprise, bitch. Found an abandoned temple that the locals don't frequent. Too far from town, and something about a rust roach infestation? Good place to set up. Gonna sleep, then poke around tomorrow. At rust roach infestation, Zynan quickly reads the last page and then starts to reach into his layers of fabric just to feel the weight of the rifle there. It's a little <laughs> different, but it's there in case there's rust roaches that are just going to appear. <laughs> and now he's just kind of listening and goes back to reading. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You like catch yourself. Uh, you glance at the last page. The last sentence you just see is back by three. And then you like flip back to the second page, uh, which says day two, and you keep your ears perked and you don't hear anything. Like this place is silent aside from your party. Maybe that rust roach infestation was just a rumor. Uh, you read the entry for day two. Still getting settled. No rust roaches yet. I think the locals are bugging, haha. -ha. Though, speaking of which, everyone seems to think Hylians in Raya, which, what? Something's going on. I have a bad feeling about this. The queen might know more, but she's the one telling everyone her daughter's at the tournament, so I don't trust her farther than I can throw a 20 pound tortiver. And then in parentheses, which is 200 feet by the way, suck it princess. 
Day three, note to self. Don't ask randos about how to break into the palace that weirds people out. Be more subtle next time. Gonna have to figure out a way to get in there by myself. Day four, just one word, in all caps, ROACHES. Day five is blank. And then day six is bugs taken care of, I think, back to work. The next four pages are blank until we get to day 10. Got my hands on a map, took almost all my barter and I'm pretty sure the guy who traded it to me killed someone to get it. But that's not my problem anymore. I'm gonna poke around the castle. The next two pages are blank and then day 13, I pulled it off. I can't believe it. Made a huge mess, almost got caught, but I did it. Even broke into Hylian's study and everything. That's where the real answers must be. Now to pour over these books. And then day 14, the most recent page, the last one you read. I'm not getting anywhere. These books are useless. And I hate reading. I should have brought a scribe or something. Also, I'm hungry. Heading to the market to resupply rations. Back by three. Oracle. Hello. What tab is it? Uh, the time is 3.07 p.m. Fuck. Everyone, we might have company. Sayer is ready, uh, hand on crescent blade, and just stands guard like a doberman in action. Lumira's eyes are, like, over the map itself, just, like, spouting out of her eyeballs and running all across the map. That is Lumira right now, fully deeply entrenched in whatever it is that she's reading. Zynan slams the journal closed and uh, makes sure to click it back in place and tries to drop it and neatly tuck it back where it was in the bedroll. Yeah, as you do that and you say to everyone to stay on their toes, Sing turns around from where she was investigating the plants and flowers in this temple. They were very interested in the actual vegetation itself. They turn and they look uh, at the entrance of the temple where now all of you see uh, coming up from this winding series of switchbacks, kind of walking up in the direction of the temple, is a person. All of you see her now. She is a fierce muscular woman with light brown skin and this short, messy black hair that kind of tousles down to their shoulders. And they wear this tough half plate armor and a pair of intricate handmade leather gauntlets with these long bright blue feathers streaking out from either wrist. And a half cape flutters past her shoulders with a satchel slung over uh, one side of their body, revealing these tough lines of muscle on her arm. And this woman is chewing on some kind of like hand-rolled cigarette while simultaneously biting into a yellow hard-shelled fruit with a bright blue interior. And she's maybe like halfway up the path. She's perhaps 20 or 30 feet away from the entrance of the temple itself when she sees the four of you inside the temple above her. And they freeze mid-bite. I think there's kind of like a brief moment as your party stares at them and they stare at you. And then your oracle swirls again and goes out loud, not just in your heads, but out loud into the air. New objective! Restore the missing princesses to their kingdoms! And as soon as this person hears that, their eyes go wide, they like drop the fruit, they turn around and they start booking it down the hill. 
running after. Yep. Immediately. Yep. Sayer yep. yells out loud towards mostly Zidane because he almost, it's almost like he knew Lumira was going to come with him uh, and just says, Zidane, I'm in pursuit and will pull out his crescent blades. Carefully. <laughs> yep. The sound of the oracle kind of pulls Lumira out. As soon as that person turns, her ass is directly on their heels, but will not say anything out loud to just expecting the rest of them. They'll catch me eventually. Yes, yes, excellent. Uh, Sing also immediately begins to give chase, like all of you just start booking it down these switchbacks. And as you exit the temple and into like the full light of the wild sea itself, uh, you all know that Siren's song, the settlement, is carved from a mountain. Right, so the city itself rests on several tiers and the roads that connect those tiers are narrow and they are twisting and they are full of dead ends. So as you chase this person, at first you're passing tilled farmland on these steep slopes, the mountainsides bristling with the soft green leaves of tea plants. And then you hit your first chicken wire fence uh, that this person just effortlessly vaults over like an Olympic sprinter uh, with their cigarette still lit, still in their mouth, they're still smoking it. Uh, and now all of you, as you hoof over this chicken wire fence, you're in the city proper. And you're surrounded now by all kinds of structures that rise to meet you. You see residential blocks of multiple interconnected courtyards. There are temples bustling with worshipers. There are gardens and libraries and market squares. And the person you're chasing hurdles into the crowd with no reluctance. Uh, she's knocking over stalls. She's jumping over fountains and even shorter people. And like the crowd is gasping. People are shouting after her, hey! They're shaking their fists, but no one really gives chase. No one, except the four of you. And as your crew arrives at the edge of the party with the temple to your back and Siren Song still sprawled out below you, how do you pursue your quarry? We see Zynan maybe too naturally leap over that chicken wire fence. And as we get to the edge of the city, he's definitely behind everyone. But the first thing he does is look to the roofs. Mm. Are they scalable? Hell yeah. <laughs> Yes, I've got to just say, yes, you can absolutely try to clamber onto a roof and catch up to this person that way and jump from like roof to roof. That's going to be some kind of roll though. What? Uh, but before, no. <laughs> before we get to your roll, I want to know what Lumira and Sayer are doing. Lumira stops directly kind of like when she feels the rest of her party catch ups to her. Um, and she's going to immediately, eyes darting around looking for alleyways, sneak places. She's gonna try to cut him off right as where she's coming out at. Mmm, totally. Okay, that's also gonna be a roll of some kind. Uh, but before we get to that, Sayer, what about you? Sayer, mid-chase, like pauses for a moment, catches his sibling's eye and goes, let's make this fellow run. Mm. And mm. Uh, Sayer will uh, crouch low and he's going to also leap upwards, but he's going to not be as subtle as Zaynan. He wants to make a real show out of hunting down uh, this person so that the others might have an opportunity. Ooh, you want to distract her mm -hmm. with like, kind of like getting her attention? I'm the biggest hunter yes. out here. You don't have to worry about my friends. So Sayer, I'm going to say that role for you is either going to be iron or teeth as an edge and sell me on a skill. Okay, I'm gonna use uh, iron, mm -hmm. and I would like, ooh, would a hunt work? 
Yes, I would say hunt. I would hunt, like hunt would work. Right. Sway could also work if you're just saying something to get their attention. No, I just want to be big and scary with my crescent blades as I swing from cylindrical pillars above myself and like land in thumbs pursuing this person. Okay, if you're using your weapon to help you, that's an additional d6 as advantage. Uh, going back to Lumira, I'm gonna say based on what you're trying to do, that's either going to be veils, sharps, or tides. But you can sell me on a different edge too if you want. Definitely gonna take sharps for sure. Okay. And then for skill, can I use sense? Absolutely, that makes sense, yes. Uh, roll for that. And Zynan, for your edge, I'm either gonna say grace, right? Because you're trying to vault up onto the ceiling or ties for exploring this area. I think in this moment, he's he's feeling the, the grace of the leap. Okay. And is gonna go for grace. Lovely. The skill that makes the most sense to me is vault. Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yep, roll for that. So, Sayir, what did you get? <laughs> I rolled two fours. That's a twist and a four is a conflict. So that's a success with a drawback. I think as you're trying to get this person's attention, uh, swinging from pillar to pillar, Sing is like running right next to you, right? She's like, the two of you are literally twins like giving chase at the head of the pack. Unfortunately, you run into someone. You almost get them, but then someone cuts in front of you and you just absolutely just smash into this person. And the person you run into, Sayer, is a merchant. Uh, they are a traveling merchant. They are shaped like a moth and they are very slowly, painfully crossing the street, like side to side to side. Uh, their six black eyes are shining uh, and they have a ruff of white fur by their neck and these long feathery antenna that are like drifting from side to side as they lumber across the street. Uh, but the reason why they're so hunched and so slow is because they're carrying a massive backpack on their back that is like four or five times bigger than their own body, bulging with all kinds of items and you smack into them just bam just head on and all these items go flying we see vials of shining amber liquid fly through the air and smash onto the ground we see what appear to be like monster claws and even bottles of spores that also smash onto the ground and the spores release in this like big cloud that people start coughing right they start like clearing the area and like putting their scarves up to their noses and there are also seed pods rattling onto the ground and as they hit the ground, something about the impact seems to activate them as they're now jittering all around, creating a kind of like ball bearing minefield all around you. So that's the drawback. The success, however, is that you have distracted this person. They slow down, they're also in the cloud, right? And they start sliding on these seed pods, so they have to slow down to navigate it more carefully. Um, I'm now gonna cut over to Lumira trying to cut this person off. What did you get? Boy, that was a, out of two die, that's two opposite sides of a roll. Uh, I rolled a six and the other okay. dice was a one. So, so thankfully just, all you needed was a six. Just that close. <laughs> Triumph. That means you cut off their path that they're currently going down in this market square. You cut into an alleyway, right? You like hurdle over various barrels and garbage pails. And then you come out kind of making like a U shape and you cut them off right in the middle of the street. You see like a cloud of spores down the street that Sayer had caused. I know it's Sayer. Yep, yep. And you see this woman like staggering out of the cloud with you in front of her. And now we're going to cut toward the roofs where Zynan is. What did you get? 
I got a five, baby. That is also a conflict. Uh, that is a success with a drawback. I think I'm gonna give you a choice. You either take a while to get up to the top of the roof, so you're gonna be last to enter the fray, or you scramble up top, but something about the rusty edges of one of these corrugated tin roofs cuts you and you're gonna hurt a little bit. I'm gonna take the second one in part because I think he sees the cloud of spores and he's gonna freeze. Mm. So he ascends the building and I think he goes in and goes to reach for his rifle, but before he can actually get all the way in there, the cloud of spores releases and you can hear the gravelly rooftop under his boot and he just freezes. Mm, I think I'm gonna need you to mark a track, Mm. a mental one or an emotional one if possible. I, ooh, okay. I'm gonna say this is coming from his very deep past. And so one of the tracks that I have is a life of scraps. Mm. Um, He kind of goes back to the place where he was desperate Mm. in the last time he, the thing, the place that he goes every time he sees clouds of dust. That's right. I think up on the roof, you're right there above the fray. You see the clouds, you freeze. And I think as this cloud of, it's like purple and green spores, right? It looks nothing like dust, but it's still a plume, right? As you look down at it, there's like a glitch as a plume of actual gray and brown dust interlaces itself, overlays itself on top of this other mushroom cloud that you're seeing and your eyes go wide and you freeze and then the glitching stops and you're back in the present but the dust is still there. It is still in your mind. It is still drifting off of the right side of your body between your hand and your ankle. And I think what this means, Ayn, is you will be the last to act next. Sayer and Lumira, the two of you hear very clearly this person shout amidst coughing as they're like running out of the spore cloud. Gah! I'm not going back home without some answers, you assholes. So just stay off my ass for like two more days, okay? Cause I'm this close. I'm this close to getting some answers. Uh, uh, uh. I think you have some answers to attest for first, don't you think? And this person whirls around. They were kind of like shouting this over their shoulder. They whirl around and draw to a stop to face where you are cutting them off, Lumira. And lurking behind this person like a prowling tiger, Sayer comes up behind them and goes, what a coincidence, we want answers as well. And he just touches the crescent blade two inches away from the small of their back. The smirk on Lumira's face right now is very much like, haha, I got my bitches with me. <laughs> Try it. Like, <laughs> like, it's very smug, like, mm, I don't think you'll be going anywhere. Mm. Sing also steps out of the cloud, right? Their eyes almost seem to be glowing. They're the first things that this person notices before the rest of their body follows, right? This like bright pink. And she has her hand on the hilt of her long sword and is just smiling her usual very honey sweet smile. And she goes, listen, we don't want to hurt you. That's not why we're here. We just want to get some answers as well. So do you want to do this the easy way or do you want to do this the slightly harder way? Choose wisely. Couldn't have said it better myself. 
This person pauses, right? Their ears kind of like flat against their skull. They look to the left to see Sing and Sayer. They look to the right to see Lumira and their eye also flicks up to where Zainan is on the roof, right? I think all they can see of you is a silhouette with your duster blowing in the wind. They can't see your face. <laughs> and they just go, eat my Krez. They splay their hands and the feathers on their wrists explode outward to form wings, mechanical wings that lace from their wrist down to their hip. They flap once and they soar into the air with wings made of metal and feather and wire. And they go up. Sing rushes forward. She's the first to actually grabs for their ankle, but they're a little too fast and dexterous. They kind of twist. Uh, in midair, and they go soaring over a rooftop um, that is across the way from where Zainan is. So they're out of reach for Lumira and Seir, but Zainan, you have a gun, <laughs> and you're on a neighboring roof. I'm gonna just say it. I'm gonna just say it. You can use oh, it. Oh yeah, or you yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that the the wings catch him, and the dust is still present, but he is laser focused very suddenly on these wings, and so he finally gets into his robes and pulls out a different looking rifle than the last time we saw him with a rifle. This one is this uh, almost twisted, it looks almost spalted in these black marks that seem to kind of jaggedly weave their way through. But when you look closer, you see that something on this has actually burnt. And he pulls it out and puts the butt of it right into the crease of his shoulder and raises it and it has a pretty hefty construction. This one looks, the last one looked elegant and like a, a martial weapon. This one is a tool that is very much so of this world because fate knows what he needs. And this is a tool for the moment. And he raises it and is going to try and shoot the wings specifically. Okay, that's gonna have to be Grace. Please, can I help and give advantage? How are you helping? Mm, I think, <laughs> I think in the midst of that, while she was talking, Lumira was closing in ever so often to kind of push them off into the direction of where Zaynan is. Mm. So when they go up, it's right directly in front of it's like him. Right by Zaynan before they kind of crest away from him. Okay, yeah, I think they were kind of backing away. Sure, I'll, 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 yeah, I think that makes sense. And then when they fly up, they're only like a couple feet out from Zaynan. So you've got like a good time to line up a shot here, Zaynan. Um, what's the skill you're using? I would like to use hunt, please. That makes sense. So you get two pips of advantage from your gun and from Lumira. Yeah, all right. Here we go. Five dice. This, something better come out of this. We need at least one six. Yep. Nope. <gasps> I did, however, get three fives. So it's a five. <laughs> a twist. With a, a twist. twist. Okay. I think what this means is you hit their wing, uh, but they don't go down immediately. Mm -hmm. So you shoot and they're maybe 20 feet out from you. The wings come out and they're moving very quickly. And we see what does it look like as the bullet comes out? I think the uh, it has a very deep, bassy feeling as this black powder rifle goes off, and it's not a nice machined bullet. It is literally a loaded shot, like a cannon that you can carry around. And Zynan is used to clipping wings for safety, and so he's thinking of a bird. And I think he shoots where you would slow a bird, but this isn't a bird, this is a person. 
Yes, exactly. The shot comes out in this like plume of black powder, and we don't see it, but there's kind of like a metallic ting noise as it clips the side of their gauntlet. Uh, their right gauntlet, let's say. It doesn't penetrate their arm. Something about the make is like really thick and sturdy, but it does kind of like make them tilt in the air and they start spinning and going down, <laughs> right? So then you see them like let out like, God, fucking die, God damn it, no! uh, As they kind of like ungracefully like torpedo through the air and you see they're heading down toward the docks is where it seems they're gonna crash land. <laughs> Uh, so at this point, the three of you know where they're going. They're not going to be able to just fly their way out of this fully. What do the four of you do? Zainan whistles and points. Lumiere's that way. Uh, Sayer sees that, uh, hears that whistle, looks forward, looks over to sing, just in case we don't catch them in time. Shot putt, and he's going to hold out his arms to be ready to grab Sings if they so agree and consent to this. Oh my god! <laughs> want to launch sing through Let's the air toward go. this person i'm going to spin i'm going to spin in place holding sing like we're children at a playground and launch her at <laughs> this person <laughs> so that even if they get up before we get there they've got the chosen sing one land. yeah that's so funny sing is i cannot overstate how game sing is for this uh so the edge i need you to roll is either iron or teeth i think I think this is teeth. This is Sayer going deep to a uh, launch sing over here. Uh, and, ooh. Absolutely. I'm trying to think what this is. Brace makes sense as a skill? Brace? For me if, to, like, I would love a brace. If you want to give okay. me a brace, I'll take a brace. Brace makes sense, yeah, because you're just hunkering down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. Uh, I think I won't use guide my hands yet. This is good. I, I'm feeling okay. pretty good. Okay. I'm feeling pretty good about team sibling over here. One, six, two fives. That is a triumph with a twist. Yeah, you grab Sing by the hands and she goes, <laughs> Oh, I've been wanting to do this on mission forever. Come on. Let's and you do it. swing her and you throw her over the roofs above you, right? She like flies up just as high as this person did, even though she doesn't have wings. And she arcs and then vanishes under the rooftops in the direction of Oh my god you know what i was gonna have her have like a graceful moment where she like gets up kind of like howl and howls moving castle and starts like walking down um but i think it's funnier if she just drops like a stone sing vanishes uh none of you see where she lands because you're all still on like the next street over <laughs> and i assume at this point the three of you start booking it toward the docks mm -hmm. Yeah, the three of you gather yourselves, Zainan, you jump down from the roof, and you run. You make a beeline toward the harbor. And as soon as you, like, move past this market square area, you see the wild sea rise up to greet you. And the docks themselves are busy, they are bustling, they are lively. The sound of the leafy waves creates this ever-present rustle, along with the cramped, loud sounds of the harbor itself. And the air here is brisk, like vegetation. And I cannot tell you how many ships there are. There are so many ships docked at this harbor. This is a major port, it seems. These ships range for ones that are dozens of feet long, big enough to hold over a hundred people, to ships that are barely a dozen feet long, only fit for like a single person, maybe two. And the harbor itself is packed to the gills with wild sailors. We see crew on their smoke break, haggling with sea mongers, playing games of luck and skill by the docks, and even frequenting a nearby open-air portside bazaar. 
And the woman that you were chasing, you, you all see, she has kind of landed in a small crater uh, by a group of wild sailors that were smoking, but now they're like turning and they're running away. And Sing has landed also in a small crater, like literally right next to her. And Sing is in the middle of grappling this person. She has like tackled her and they're now kind of wrestling ungracefully on the ground, right? And Sing's obviously trying not to hurt her, just kind of wants to like, like she's going, please just call down we just have some things we want to talk about uh and this person's going like ah just let me reach my boot knife so i can shake you in the neck or the side or your pretty face oh you think i'm pretty shut up and they're like wrestling and wrestling and wrestling uh so what do y'all do lumira walks in out of nowhere just you just hear her like walk up intently you won't do a thing to that face i promise you that Okay, well... Stand down, Sing. But I... Sing. Fine. And Sing lets go and stands up. And this person very quickly scrambles to their feet as well. Right, They're kind of shaking their right gauntlet that's been uh, chipped. And the blast from Zynan's pistol had revealed this intricate network of wires underneath the surface of the leather. Uh, and these gears that are like sparking a little bit, smoking even, kind of shake out that broken wing. And they like kind of back up, right? They're like walking backwards. And behind them is just a dock that extends for like dozens of feet outward. You reach for that boot knife and it'll be the last thing you do. Hold on. I think we might've gotten off on the wrong foot. We're not trying to take you anywhere. Then what the hell are you chasing me for? Obviously you're trying to take me somewhere. You're trying to take me back home, but I'm not going home until I get some answers. All right? So you just tell my mom to step off. Where's home for you? Uh, <laughs> they narrow their eyes and cock their heads to the side like it's so obvious. The Raya? Wait, you're not from, you're not from the Raya? We didn't want to give chase. You just started running, so hard to get answers from someone when they're running away from you. Okay, yeah, well, your floating seed pod said to return the missing princesses, so you all know that we're missing. That Princess Highland is missing. Yeah, I gathered that. You know what they say about assumptions. What? What do they say? Oh, no. They make an ass out of you. Huh? What? I don't- Don't worry about it. Uh <laughs> I don't think that's a saying. I don't think that's a oh, saying. Lumira, I, I don't wonder- Yeah, I, I don't think- I don't know if that's a saying here. Listen, my name is Zanin. I'm not here to force you to do anything you don't want to. So you're not- You're not from the Raya? You're not here to bring me back home? I think our uh, goals might be aligned. I would also like to know what happened to the missing princess. Okay then. And their kind of defensive, aggressive, confrontational stance relaxes just slightly. Like they like lower their hands, right? And Sing like lowers her hand from her longsword. The rest of you kind of start to stow your weapons, but they're still a little cautious. And looking down, squaring their shoulders back and lifting their chin, this person says, my name is Princess Abbasi Zahar, scion of Raya, and I am looking for my nemesis. This episode of Transplanter RPG was edited by C. Thomas. Our original intro theme music is by Jonathan Charles. Transplanter RPG is supported by our incredible Patreon precepts. Folks pledge to our highest tier on Patreon. A massive thank you to Charles, Cora Eckert, 
Brook Bright, River, Chiacres, Lex Slater, Scruffesis, Hat, Alex, Mark J, Lyle and Peanut, Spencer, Brooke in Seattle, Aria, Derek Davidson, and Phil. Pledge to our Patreon today for as little as $3 a month to unlock exclusive news, character sheets, GM notes, and even the chance for your tabletop OC to cameo in our show. Until next time, transplay nerds!